Hi, everybody. This is Erica and Yvette, and this is the Melanin Pearls podcast. Sure enough is. What's up, girl? How you doing today? How you doing? I'm all right. Okay. I'm all right. I'm really excited about this topic we're going to talk about. Like when you and I had a conversation about this and, you know, determining just how important this topic is. Super. I, was, I was excited. And once I went in and started doing some research, you know, I was like, whoa, okay, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So, okay, folks, let me talk to you about this. When we think about access, right, to fresh produce or other healthy foods, it's really a non-event, right? We mm-hmm. go to the local supermarket. We go to the farmer's market. We get stuff delivered. We go to, right, fresh direct, and voila, the food is available to us. It's here. It appears on our doorstep. We're able to get it. But for some, access to fresh produce and healthy food is not that accessible or that easy. Mm -hmm. And here is where the term food desert comes in, Mm -hmm. right? So a food desert is an area that has limited access to affordable and nutritious food. And this is in contrast to what's known as a food oasis, right? Which is the definition that I or the, the the example that I provided at the onset where there's higher access to supermarkets or vegetable shops with fresh foods. And it makes me think about my childhood, actually. Mm. That, you know, when I was growing up in Bushwick, Brooklyn, before it was trendy and, you know, all the little cafes, it was an area where access to food like I remember going to the bodega at the corner of my block yeah and all you see were onions or plantains you wouldn't see vegetables funions funions right and all junk food and you know you know high fructose corn syrup anything that has you know that's in it you know that's what we would see but I didn't realize that I was living in a in a food desert I I, I didn't even know that you're eating unhealthy oh that I'm eating unhealthy because that's all that's all I had but Yvette, what, what do you want to share before we, we jump jump in? So, yeah, I mean, this food deserts, food just is something that's really close to home for me. Um, you know, like I've traveled the world. I've lived and eaten my way through some of the most notable, <laughs> you know, and obscure restaurants, you know, in New York City, as well as other major cities for decades, right? You know, in addition to being a technologist and a creative, you know, I am a chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love watching, and you know this, travel mm-hmm. and cooking shows and reading travel and food blogs. You know, they're very entertaining. Um, but there is something very dangerous about the perpetual reinforcement of a white person as the explorer, you know, discovering these mm-hmm. new restaurants, lands and communities that are quote unquote new, showcasing the narrative about black and brown people. Mm. People that look like me and they cherry pick. Right. They cherry pick which part of the experience or the city they want to bring back with them. So look, don't get me wrong. I love me some Andrew Zimmern, who I met at Marco Samuelson's mm-hmm. restaurant, mm-hmm. Uh, Red Rooster in Harlem. You know, I met Anthony Bourdain, God rest his soul, right at a fundraiser before he passed away. I haven't met Gordon Ramsay, but they all have really, really popular mm-hmm. cooking shows that reinforce this idea that non-white non-eurocentric points of view are the quote-unquote other Mm. or quote-unquote not normal each of those shows underscores literally white supremacy if something is not well known to the white host it must not be worth knowing at all and what is woefully apparent is none of these shows confront the deeply ugly and challenging history that food happens in america 
in this country. The systemic racism, redlining, gentrification, it affects a whole entire paradigm for people of color, especially food. Food in the United States is is used as a weapon mm-hmm. for people of color. Don't get me started. Food is so fundamentally, it's a fundamental need for people to live, to be healthy. So Access to good food. Access to good food. Right? Because you could get junk, junk anywhere. Is it, and, that's not, anywhere. and that's not nutritious, right. nor is it filling. Right. Exactly. So before, before we jump into this, um, there's a show called High on the Hog on Netflix. Hmm. Um, and it literally chronicles how the cuisine in the United States today that, mm-hmm. you know, we all eat in these fancy, schmancy restaurants was built from slaves. Mm. The, the foundation, the base was built from slaves, just like everything else here in the United States, how it was built off of people of color. Exactly. So I've only watched the first few episodes and it's been so emotional for me that I've cried in both on both of them, right? But I highly recommend it because I've learned so much about where all these things come from. Like rice came on a boat with black people when we got here. That's why the Carolina yellow golden rice, we made the Carolinas. Hmm. Black people, because the white people here didn't know how to create, how to uh, grow rice. But right. black people did. And it was slaves that created. I said, well, don't let me sorry. But anyway. So anyway, so I highly recommend it um, to go see it. And listen, like, just, just, a, just, it's a limited series. So it's not like going to be there forever. Um, so I say this, I say that to say this. So there's food insecurity. There's food deserts. There's food swamps. There's food oases. But at the very beginning, let's talk about food insecurity. Food insecurity is when you don't have enough money to buy the healthy foods you need or if you have to skip meals because you don't have enough money to buy food. And if you think about that, prior to COVID, 16% of the people living in New York City, that's 1.4 million people, folks, were food insecure before COVID. And now it's closer to 2 million and every one out of four is a kid. Yeah. That 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 I know, just knowing educators where they've had to order food, like basically when kids go to school, that's the only meal. They that's get. the only meal that they get. And, you know, when they go home, they might not have dinner. Correct. And that, you know, can I just stop for a second? Mm-hmm. Like like one of my things for me has always been, you know, we live in this country and the fact that you I think it's a basic, I mean, it's one of our basic needs. And the no, fact it's, it's that... An, it's an alien right, and, the and we don't get And the fact that you don't get that, and yeah. the fact that we're even having this conversation mm-hmm. about food insecurity, it mm-hmm. really, it, it always gets me, and it always mm-hmm. makes me so sad, because we're in a land of excess, and yet, in urban areas, right? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. In urban areas, or in rural areas, our children don't even know when they're going to get their next meal. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad. And so food insecurity, if you look at it at a macro level, if you counted the number of healthy meals missing from food insecure households last year alone, 2020 alone, that would add up to a whopping 242 million. Mm. You know, the statistics in this country is staggering. Like in 2016, 41.2 million people lived in food insecure households. I'm not just talking about New York City. I'm talking about the United States. And to have people, parents, 
worrying about how to feed your family or yourself, you know, it doesn't exist in isolation. You know, people who are food insecure struggle with poverty and often have to decide whether to pay rent, electricity, pay for medication, get a metro Mm -hmm. card to ride the subway to get to work or eat healthy food. So with little money to spend food, to spend on food, you know, you need to stretch every dollar as much as possible. But if you live in a food desert, the way to stretch your dollar to get food, McDonald's, Popeye's, Bodega, White Castle, well, Wendy's. And one thing, no, totally. And, and just to add on to that, think of the number of dollar stores that have increased mm-hmm. in areas 99 cents you did now they, they, they you got to read the fine print you've right. seen these 90, new signs 99 minimum right, right? Yes. but but you know think of the the dollar trees or the family dollars of the world and how you know there's one right up the the street from where i live and you know they sell food and at first i was like oh look at that they sell food yeah, but, but the they don't sell right but they don't sell produce they sell canned foods or Packaged food. So they high sell a sodium, lot of high, processed foods. High in pre- uh, preservatives. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And if I had to choose between, you know, and we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. If I had to choose between a salad and, I don't know, um, uh, a Happy Meal making it up and I work and I have to feed my kids and the salad is $6 and the Happy Meal is two is plus two a soda plus a soda. I'm, I'm going to buy that. Right. Yeah. And now I don't have to cook it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not knocking anyone. You know, people have to work and they're doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. But I feel that the lack of access is 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 a travesty it is the fact that there isn't a supermarket nearby and the stores that are in your neighborhood are just selling crap yeah and that's what you have access to and Yvette and I were talking about this this is generational yep this is wiping out generations because Mm -hmm. obviously and I know Yvette will talk about this a little bit later is just the health impact Mm -hmm. of not having healthy food accessible to you Mm mm-hmm it's it's crazy. So let's let's start with the with the premise that you're food insecure because you don't have a lot of money. So you don't have a lot of money and you just spend on food because you got rent, medication, whatever. Um, and you need to stretch the dollar as much as possible for food. And folks out there who, you know, want to play devil's advocate, this isn't intermittent fasting, okay? No. This is like skipping whole meals or multiple meals because you don't have money to eat. I just want to say that. So you're food insecure um, and you live in a food desert. This area only has that processed stuff, fast food restaurants, convenience stores, bodegas, all of which are chock full of cheap, high calorie and ill healthy options. So wherever you have a food desert, you're going to have a food swamp. Exactly. So desert and swamp. Here's the reason why it's a swamp. A swamp is a place where you're just surrounded by unhealthy foods that are more readily available than healthy ones. And that's the way you eat. And normally, food deserts generally exist in urban areas predominantly inhabited by non-white people, Mm -hmm. which is why black people are so disproportionately affected by diet-related health conditions. Obesity, diabetes. Hypertension. All of that. But let let me put this in perspective, everybody. If you come to New York City just to visit, you may think that 
oh, you know, Times Square, Midtown, you're going to have a lot of like uh, fast food restaurants and things. That is not the case, folks. It is not the case. Where you have the most concentration of fast food restaurants are in the outskirts of Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. For example, zip code 11207, which is a, it's called East New York, Brooklyn, has a population of about 173,700 people. 33% of those are foreign born, mostly young, 50% is black, 34% 34% of the rest of the restaurant uh, residents are uh, people of color and below the poverty line. 34% of this zip code lives below the poverty line. And only 8% have um, of residents over the age of 25 have a college degree. So food desert with a food swamp, uh, isolated 173,000 people. And let me just tell you the impact of this food desert, food swamp is having on this community. 37% of the residents that live in the zip code are obese. 18% of the residents have diabetes. And diabetes is always common in food swamps. 34% of these residents have hypertension. All of those higher than the rest of New York City combined, like all five boroughs, including Staten Island. Mm -hmm. This is one zip code. Wiping out complete families, generational. And can I just add to that too? Yep. And think about us going through this, you know, pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and just how, worse. And how COVID is a predator, right? Like I really like when they described it as such. So you have underlying health conditions mm-hmm. that you're not healthy. And now this comes along and it wipes out families. families. It wipes out families. Grandma, mom, dad, cousins, great grandparents, aunts, uncles. And couple that with just access to health care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not necessarily talking about that right now, but it all comes together. Right. Mm-hmm. And you take that coupled with access to health care. It's, it's like a, you don't have a fighting chance. Nope. It is literally it's a tinderbox. Yeah, exactly. It's a ten- COVID is literally the Molotov cocktail. Yeah. Being th- that's decimating whole communities who are mostly all brown exactly. people. You don't see this happening in like the Upper West Side, Upper East Side. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, so Brooklyn, New York, East New York, we're going to focus on that. But there's also Bronx, mm-hmm. which is another uh, area uh, in the five boroughs, high concentration of brown people um, living below the property line, uh, not a lot of high education. So on average... Let's just talk about the life expectancy for people in East New York. Mm-hmm. Papa, uh, uh, Morris, Santa, Cortona area, that's in the Bronx, compared to the Upper East Side, Upper West Side, Greenwich Village, which Let's is go. Soho, right? Go ahead, spit it. So <laughs> the average life expectancy for a person who's living in East New York is 78.6 years, mm-hmm. which is shorter than the rest of the whole city, like all five boroughs. So... But if you live in Morrisana, Cortona, the area of Bronx, uh, the Bronx, it's even lower. Right. It's 76.2 years. Now, let's talk about, you know, the the fashionable places to live. Greenwich Village, um, Soho, Upper East Side, Upper West Side. So if you live in the Upper East Side, your 
your average life expectancy is 85.9 years. If you live in Greenwich Village, Soho, you know, this is where Beyonce, you know, Jay-Z have their their <laughs> loft, right? The average life expectancy is 85.8 years. And if you live on the Upper West Side, which was my haunt for mm-hmm. decades, the average life expectancy is 84.7 years. And, and you know... Mm. You know, we're doing this comparison in in New York, but you could just take this extrapolate, comparison, extrapolate it to Lu- Louisiana, yeah, exactly, um, Baltimore, Baltimore, exactly. Maryland. You you right. look at any any super urban area in comparison in comparison to this, it's the same. This is just not you know you know an outlier in New York City. Mm-hmm. This these statistics are basically rinse and repeat in every major urban area across the state across the country from the the east coast to the west coast it's there and there's rural areas are, are just as bad right but if you think about all of this if you live in an area that's high poverty you have limited access to food you have limited access to appropriate health care you have limited access to make healthy options it makes it extremely difficult to, to be healthy. Now I add on top of that the police brutality. Oh you just, it, just, it just yeah. can imagine living like that? No, no. Can you, I, you can imagine why people yeah. have hypertension. Of course, of course. And you know, I was looking at um, some research too and it was, and I was reading that, you know, even food deserts may be underreported mm-hmm. because the North American industry classification system places corner grocery stores, right, that mm-hmm. sell all the packaged food and mm-hmm. all the bad food in the same category as grocery stores. Yep. Why? Because they sell food. Like a Whole Foods. Yep. So basically because they sell food, I'm going to take the bodega. And nothing against bodegas. Listen, I've lived my life on a bodega. Yep. But the point is the accessibility to fresh food and fresh produce, right? Mm-hmm. If you're putting them in the same category as a Whole Foods, then are you really reporting what's happening? You're basically no. underreporting. You're it. underreporting, and you're and you're you're fudging the numbers. You know, I mentioned systemic racism. Like all this is all tied, mm-hmm. all tied to systemic racism. So let's take it back one extra step. You have these communities that have been purposely built this way. The uh, people that you have black people who who are not given mortgages or awarded mortgages because of the characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. You have businesses that, you know, that maybe want to do the right thing, but they are not allowed to get insurance. Insurance companies won't insure them. You have these deserts. They are crafted by people, like politicians. They're crafted. This is, mm-hmm. doesn't happen by mistake. Mm-hmm. This is done on purpose, Right. And then you have the whole bubble of, you know, some white person drops in and, you know, finds out, you know, something cool about it. And then you get the Trader Joe's and Whole Foods start looking at it. Who in that community can afford that? People can't afford Whole Foods prices. No, I can't even. They take your whole dollar and some. They don't call it whole paycheck for nothing. Right. I mean, just think about it. They're not Whole Foods and Trader Joe's are not going to come into East New York. Why? Because they don't make enough money there. Exactly. They don't make enough money. But once people who start making more than, what is it, 62,000? Yeah, 62 is the median. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you Whole Foods, 
Trader Joe's and those type of stores will set up shop. And what it does is displaces all the other people who, 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 yeah. who've been living there for decades, years, who no longer can afford the rent because the property values are going up the, through the roof. Right. And so they get displaced. Where are they going to go? Exactly. And I actually read, I forgot where I saw the town, but they where they were going to put in a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's or one of those. And the, then the community actually said no. Mm-hmm. They said no. We, we don't want that to come to our neighborhood because we know what the gentrification that will occur mm-hmm. and how we will be displaced. Yeah. You know, I saw a, a video on oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah, this is good. This, this is good. It's a CNBC video, and I really, it's about 25 minutes, and I watched it the other day, and it's called, and we'll have it in our link, Why Grocery Stores Are Avoiding Black Neighborhoods. And it was really good. Like, it basically talked about um white flight so it started from white flight where white people would leave neighborhoods all the way through you know food deserts etc it was it's excellent and if you get a chance take take a look at it it's very educational um, it just like high on the hog all of this they're not going to teach you any of this in school absolutely not you know absolutely not. very eye-opening and, and it's and it's heartbreaking right it's heartbreaking it's oh my gosh um no no it really is and you know one thing that you and i talked about yvette too was you know people that live in food deserts also you know have a hard time finding foods that are culturally relevant like if i come from you know and it really depends right like and i'm talking about produce right Mm -hmm. so if there's like produce that's that's relevant to to my culture it is hard for me to find it. Now, at the bodega, I did find platanos, and that is relevant to my culture. But did I find other green vegetables nope. when I was growing up? No. Bushwick mm-hmm. is very different now, and I haven't been there in many years. But I'm sure you'll find it now because it's, a, it's an entirely different neighborhood now. Yeah. But, you know, in order for us to get fresh produce, we had to travel. Yep. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't that easily accessible to us. Nope. You know, let's talk about um uh the districts community districts right so east new york we already covered 34% of all the residents live below the poverty line compared to 20% of all new york city residents live below the poverty line so more poor people live in this zip code and so much so this zip code has more people living below the poverty line than all of brooklyn combined like all areas of brooklyn mm-hmm. right I think they call that a wage desert too, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, term, I'm going to go there. Desert? I'm going to go yeah. there. Because now, and 10% of all the residents living in East New York are unemployed. 10% don't mm-hmm. have jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is after COVID. Yeah. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is now. This is, this is now. today. This is right. now. This mm-hmm. is now. This is taken mm-hmm. out of the 2020 report. Wow. Um, the city, the... Is, is the data I, I i get all excited and happy i can talk mm-hmm. forever about the data but there's so much data out there once you get it once i got into it i just went medieval i just started mm-hmm. digging um so that's east new york but i also mentioned that area on the brocks morrisana and cortona mm-hmm. so 30 percent of all the residents in this area 31 percent live below the poverty line that's higher than all the residents in all of the Bronx Mm -hmm. live below the party line. And it's worse than the unemployment rate in Brooklyn. 16% of that, of all the residents are unemployed. The, the, the number of residents in unemployed in all of New York city, all five boroughs, including Staten Island is 9%. Wow. 
9%. Now let's, now let's flip it. So I've talked to you about East New York. I've talked to you about the Bronx. Upper West Side. My old stomping ground, right? 9% of the residents live below the poverty line. That's even lower than all of New York City. New York City, as I stated before, 20% of the residents in New York City live below the poverty line. Only 9% on the Upper West Side. I, I, I just, I just, it just blows my mind. Now, think about unemployed. Only 5% of the residents living in the Upper West Side are unemployed. Compared to, compared to the 9%, 9% mm -hmm. you know, for New, of all of New York City. It is, it is, it is crazy. Um, and Erica mentioned it before, and I'm, you know, and I started to tell a little story, like you're food insecure, you're living in the food desert, tons of food swamps. I'm going to share with you how crazy this is. If you go to Linden Boulevard, it's in, it's in, it's in Brooklyn, jump off Linden Boulevard, get off at the train, bus, whatever, Linden Boulevard, and you walk for four minutes from Linden Boulevard to Wartman Avenue, you pass nine fast food restaurants. Wendy's, White Castle, um, Checkers. I haven't seen that in a long time. Mm -hmm. um, Popeyes, something called um, East Coast Street Tacos, Burger King, Papa John's Pizza. Four minutes from Linden Boulevard to, that's, that's like two avenues. Like it's a four minute walk. You have all this nasty, yucky, it literally smells, smells like grease. Like, I don't know if you all ever been to, like you go through an area where um, like a lot of cooking, like like processed cooking, it has that nasty, mm -hmm. sickening, that, that four minute walk, that, that whole block smells like that. And think about, think about, I mean, I know, you know, we're, the world is starting to open up a little bit, um, but think about pre-COVID, right? Mm -hmm. When the kids get out of school and they're walking home they got a little money in their pocket. Mm -hmm. This is what, this is where you're going to go. Yeah. Happy they, meal, two bucks. Yeah. You can get this is two, where you're going to go. Now they umped it. Happy yeah. meal. I think you get two hamburgers, french fries, and a snacky snack of soda. So I'm eating all of this stuff that's mm -hmm. clogging up my arteries. Mm -hmm. And then there is no access to, or limited access to good health care. And add on top of that, where you do have supermarkets, the distance to get there with no transportation, it's another barrier. Right, because a lot of people don't have cars. So, right. so how are you going to get there? Having and a how car, much can you carry? Having a car in New York City is a luxury, oh, folks. Yeah, it is totally. a luxury. It is a luxury. So just imagine going food shopping for a family of four with no car yeah. on mass transit. You can't. <laughs> it's you, not going to happen. Can't. It's not going to happen. And we talked about, um, Erica mentioned bodegas. And New York City actually has a definition of what a healthy district is and mm -hmm. an unhealthy district is. If... An, a healthy district is considered where you have one supermarket for every three bodegas. That mm. is considered healthy. A less healthy district is you have one supermarket for every 57 bodegas. Now, we talked about we talked about East New York. For every one supermarket, there's 13 bodegas. That's clearly unhealthy, right? The Morisano Cortona area of the Bronx, for every supermarket, one supermarket, there are 10 bodegas but if you travel up to the upper west side for every one supermarket there's only three bodegas and then and if there's on the upper east side for every one supermarket there's five bodegas mm -hmm. again 
socioeconomic poverty. If you are poor and brown, you are limited in what you can eat. You need food to survive. Right. And if all you are doing that's available to you, Mm -hmm. that you can get, you're food insecure and you're living in the desert and you're surrounded by fast food chains and all this processed food, no wonder the life expectancy is shorter than everybody else. Right. And one thing I was talking to you about, too, is this is all, you know, what we just talked about, you know, food insecurity, food deserts, food swamps, etc. That is definitely an issue, right? We wanted to highlight this to you. But we also have to look at the education around it, right? Because I could bring a supermarket, for example, Mm -hmm. I'm making this up, folks. But if a supermarket comes to you immediately, Will your eating habits change? Absolutely not. Right. If you so don't they, know. Right. If you don't know. So there has to be some education there as far as our health and teaching us about certain kinds of foods and their benefit. Also having culturally relevant foods. Yep. Right. Hallelujah. Because I love going to Jamaica. Right. Right. You know, and, and their green vegetable, their spinach, their version of spinach, it's Kalaloo. Right. 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 And if you don't see that anywhere. Right. And you won't even know where to go to get it. And now, folks, we're talking about areas where they don't have a lot of money. They live in a little poverty line. So who who can afford Wi-Fi? Who can afford Internet? Who can afford computers? Mm -hmm. Right. Who has that access to Mm -hmm. do research to kind of find like if Eric and I wanted to go somewhere, we just open up the phone and, you know, Google, we'll go get it and we'll get in the car or get an Uber and boom, we're there. Mm hmm. People don't have that luxury. Right. To, 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 if they find it, one, how do they find it? And then how do they go get it? Exactly. Exactly. So what So what can we do, right, folks? I mean, you know, we, we know that there's a problem here. And what are some what are some solutions right like what are things that are that are happening or have have happened that that assist in this uh, situation? Hmm. I, I, so, I mean, there's there's so I know there's folks out there saying, well, what about WIC, well, which is uh, a program called Women, Infant and Children? What about SNAP, which is, um, you know, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Programs? Great. You know, they, they have been helpful. They are helpful. They are they are purposely intended mm-hmm. to provide low income families with better access. But it doesn't provide enough support right. for people to maintain a healthy diet. SNAP is short by $11 per person weekly cost for them to have a nutritious meal. 11 bucks. Mm-hmm. $11 may not seem a lot to you, but $11 is a lot is a lot to people who don't have them. So we need one of the things we definitely need to do is we need to get SNAP benefits to increase to enable the people, the beneficiaries to be able to purchase more healthy and nutritious food. But that ain't that's not going to solve it all. Because, like Erica said, if you don't know where to go, how are you going to get it? And for all you folks out there, like, what about Fresh Direct and Fresh and da da da? Nah, let me tell you why. None of those digital grocery stores except Snap or Wick. So mm, they can't get stuff delivered. Right. You know, um, so how do we do this? How do we help our communities to, like, to cease to interrupt, you know, the systemic wipeout? Right. And and I think one one thing, you know, that that we can do, 
You know, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about, well, what can I do? What can I do? And it's not going to, it's not the panacea, right? It's not going to solve everything. Yeah. But think about your local food pantry. Mm-hmm. Think about providing, veg- you know, if you make a donation to your food pantry, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be uh, a food donation. It could be a monetary donation so yeah. that they could um, stock the pantry, stock the pantry yeah. with with fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, that's something on a very micro level mm-hmm. you can do, you know, support those types of organizations. Um, I actually went to a website called um, do something dot org. Love it. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, it's an opportunity for you to learn and do. I mean, that's really their mantra. Mm-hmm. If you learn something, you can do something. If you know it. Exactly. You know, now you know, how, now you know, so now you go do it. Exactly. And they talked about food deserts there and they have 11 facts about food deserts. I encourage you to take a look. We'll have that link. But it also has what you can do. So there are grassroots efforts mm-hmm. that you can take. A lot of to, urban farms. Right. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. Like there, there are things that you can do. And, and it, I think it's about education and it's about sharing information which is why we really wanted to talk about this topic today because we want to share information absolutely and just to bring it home you know it it is like we mentioned it's generational so if your family is poor and like poor all through the line the lineage right grandmother great-grandmother your your parents you you're poor in the same zip code, you have children. If your parents didn't have a healthy lifestyle, healthy eating habits, how are you going to raise your kids with healthy eating habits if your go-to is, here's a buck, go to McDonald's, get a happy meal, I got to go work. Mm-hmm. If that if that is your narrative, we need to think about adults with children and their whole entire families, if the if an adult, the sole provider, if you're living in a food desert, you are more susceptible to diet-related health conditions, hypertension, obese, obesity, diabetes, right? So now your children who are watching you mm-hmm. develop poor, poor eating habits too. So with poor eating habits, now your kids are struggling to participate in what physical activities, you know, which creates emotional and but mental stress. Know? I mean, I don't know. Kids don't hardly have gym and they play yeah. a lot of games. So yeah. I, I don't you even know. know. I think that's that's a contributor too, right? It is lack, a contributor. Lack thereof. Lack thereof. Which so you have all that, which promotes low self esteem. So how can we help? Like, what can we do? You know, I'm super passionate about this. And Eric and I, we we talked about um, this with Renee when we did last year. Was mm-hmm. it last year when we talked about schooling um, and COVID, like how you do it? There's there's a lot of organizations and schools, some schools are providing meals, healthy meals to their kids because that could be the only meal they get all day, mm-hmm. right? And so just imagine you go to school Monday through Friday, how are you eating on the weekends? Exactly. So what can you do? How can you be a stopgap for the weekend, you know, to make sure that kids get good food, mm-hmm. healthy food? Mm-hmm. Um, think of ways, like I'm actually thinking about creating an organization that provides that stopgap. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Um, so there's so there's things like that. Yeah. But Erica, you know, we've talked about this. There's links we're going to provide on the website um, that you can that you can go to for resources to so do your own research because no one's going to tell you about this. 
Right. No, they're not going to tell you about this. You know, all you're going to see is people moving into zip codes where there used to be a lot of brown people who are now displaced. And they're only going to show you the Whole Foods, the Target, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, the Saks Off Fifth or whatever, the malls. They're not going to tell you about the people that they displaced. And where are they going to go? How are they going to live? How right. are they going to eat? How are they going to eat healthy? It's just a cycle that it we need. We we all need to break. You know, there's a saying like, I am my brother's keeper. You, we all are responsible for one another as human beings. And it's like, do no harm. Doing no harm isn't the same as you just sitting here and, and with your head in the sand. Do no harm. How can you help someone else just live? No, I agree. And I think for me, it's about accessibility and education. So, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. Total lot. This is, you know, this is the first time we're talking about it, but it won't be the last. Uh, when Yvette and I, when Yvette brought this topic up to me and, you know, we talked about it, it really resonated with me because I honestly feel that in a country like this, people shouldn't be starving. People, Kids should not be well, hungry. Exactly. No Children. one should be. No one should be No hungry. one should be. No one should and be And I agree hungry. with you. Children shouldn't be. Because how can they learn? They can't get learned. And if you're they eating, didn't ask to come here. Exactly. And if you're eating poor food, how are you developing? So, folks, it, it, it's a lot. It's it is a, a lot. lot. And it's um, heavy. It's and heavy. it's heavy. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. We can make a change. Absolutely. We can make a change. And you don't have to think that it has to be a big thing. Because, you know... Little things add up to big things. Yeah. Be the stone that creates the ripple in the pond. Indeed. Indeed. Be that. Be that. So we are going to, this is not the last time we're going to be talking about um, food deserts, food swamps. We are actually going to do another episode where we're putting it together, where we actually go to a farm in an urban area and talk about how we can get, we're going to actually do a episode live where we can talk to the organizations that are bringing fresh food into the area and educating the kids to show them how to eat more healthy. And then during this episode, we are going to make sure that all of our listeners and subscribers and the people that see us on our YouTube channel can see how they can help these communities. Right. Because if we all gather together we are powerful powerful and there is nothing that we can't do and like Yvette said we have to look after each other because no one's going to look after us the way we would look after us correct so we want to thank you for listening if you have any questions or comments you know go to www.melaninpearls.com hit us on Facebook hit us on Facebook Insta and Insta any questions any thoughts any suggestions because you can, you can contact us via email from yeah. our website as well I mean so like anyway if you don't want to do the public you know post on on facebook or instagram send us an email from the contact page contact us page on our website absolutely because we want to hear from you because we want to see the kind of change that we all can make if we all get together i'm excited i'm me too okay thanks everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time peace out everybody and that's our show any samples of media remain the property of their owners. Opinions expressed reflect the individual's point of view, not the Melanin Pearls podcast. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes and Spotify. If there's a topic you would like for us to cover, let us know by visiting www.melaninpearls.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, 
we encourage you to visualize your best self. Mm-hmm.